Bird Note presents. From Bird Note, this is Bring Birds Back. I'm Tanaja Hamilton. And for today's show, we're trying something a bit different. I'm joined by our producer, Mark Bramhill. Hey, Mark. Hey, Tanaja. Great to be joining you behind the mic. <laughs> so you've got something special for us about one of the biggest threats to bird populations. And I have a uh, feline. It's going to be a little controversial. Cat-troversial, maybe? <laughs> I think by now that the cat is out of the bag here. We are talking about cats versus birds. All right. You know, age-old tale, Sylvester versus Tweety. <laughs> what? team do you land on? Well, it's kind of why I got interested in this in the first place. I would say that I'm right there in the middle. I work for Bird Note, a public radio show about birds. Not a surprise that I think birds are really cool, right? <laughs> but I'm also a huge, huge fan of cats. I really do love both of these animals. And to see that, you don't need to look any further than my own cat. Hey, Pigeon. That was very cute. That did not sound like a bird killer to me at all. <laughs> Her name is Pigeon because, uh, well, she's gray. She likes to eat breadcrumbs. Uh, and she kind of she even does this coo sound. <laughs> <laughs> and even though I keep Pigeon inside, I, I feel really sad thinking about all cats being kept indoors. Even before the pandemic hit, I worked remotely. And as I think many people have learned over the past year and a half, that can get lonely. And so every day, I walk around my neighborhood and say hello to all of the cats. There's Tom, Flipper, Rick, River, Raven, Spike, Figaro, Klondike, Axel, Sparkle, Sailor, Sculpin, Jane, and Felix. I should clarify, not all of them have collars with a name on it, but sometimes a cat just seems like a Felix, you know? I make sure to say hello, give them some good head scratches, maybe even a belly rub if they're in the mood. And honestly, these cats who I get to see wandering around my neighborhood, they just bring me so much joy. Sculpin is the smallest cat I have ever met. Hey, Sculpin. You're so small. Felix, he lives a building down from me, and he comes to my back door and does this really raspy meow to get me to come out and pet him. Sometimes I treat him to a little fresh catnip. He's a sweet old man. And there's little baby Jane, an orange tabby. She's probably about a year old and is just so friendly. Like, one time I scratched her ears for a bit, and then she followed me for like three blocks. So I walked her back towards her house, only to have her insist on following me again. Hey, buddy. She is the best. Oh, your birds. There's so many. They all just kind of flock around you. Well, there's an estimated 30 to 60 million pet cats that are allowed to roam about in the U.S. If you start looking for them, Maybe occasionally offering him a treat. I'm sure a bunch would flock to you, too. 
So you love both of these animals. That is clear as day. You love cats. <laughs> you love birds. How do you reconcile those two things when it seems like they are mortal enemies? I mean, yeah. not to be dramatic, <laughs> but you know, this is Godzilla versus Kong proportions. <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, like, you know, Pigeon would gladly murder her namesake, you know? <laughs> well, there you go. And kind of my answer to how I reconcile is I try not to. I, I don't like to think about kind of the dissonance in that and prefer to avoid thinking about it and just enjoy how cute the cats are and how great the birds are, you know? But more recently, when I learned just how big of an issue it was, I felt like I needed to kind of come to terms with it, you know? I almost shudder to ask. But tell me the numbers. When we're talking about cats killing birds, what's the scale here? So there's a pretty wide range in estimates between different studies, but everyone agrees that it is a lot of birds. In North America, as many as 1.3 to 4 billion birds are killed by cats every year. Was that billion with a B? Yeah, with a B. With a B. That is a scale to which my brain cannot even comprehend. Yep. And learning that that is the biggest human-caused threat to birds you know, it felt like something where I just had to learn more and dig more into that. And so I went to someone who really knows a lot about this issue, Dr. Peter Mara. He is a professor of biology at Georgetown University, and he's the author of the book Cat Wars, The Devastating Consequences of a Cuddly Killer. And he's also part of the study where they found that that 1.3 to 4 billion dead birds per year figure that I talked about earlier. He is definitely a team indoor cat. He actually had one of his own a number of years ago. When I was in college, I had a cat by the name of Tukus, kind of a orange tabby, and it was an indoor-only cat, and it was a spectacular pet. I really love that name, Tukus. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> It's a very cutesy name for a cat, but I definitely have a very strong picture of what Tukus might look like. Yeah, a little chunky kind of orange guy. <laughs> kind of like Garfieldy. <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm sure he loves lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, back in his Tukus days, you know, uh, when when he was in college and getting his PhD, he wasn't actually thinking about house cats as part of his research. He was actually at the totally other end of the spectrum. You know, he wanted quote unquote pristine habitat, away from people as untouched as possible. But when he moved to D.C. for his job, he realized that the front lines of conservation really are around where people live, in our own backyards. Bam, right there is the premise of the Bring Birds Back show. Look at us. Go team. (laughs) Go us. (laughs) And Mara and some other researchers they decided to look at a whole bunch of these known to be really big and important threats to birds, you know, wind turbines or window collisions or habitat loss. And they looked at a whole bunch of different studies to try and understand how big of an issue is each one, like relative to each other, where should we be focusing our time and our energy and kind of what's going to have that that biggest impact. And we didn't do this thinking, oh, cats were going to come out number one. We couldn't believe the numbers that it was cats were responsible for between 1.3 and 4 billion birds a year. That just blew us away. 
after double checking, you know, triple checking, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. That's that's what they found. And, you know, it's not exactly a surprise what's happening. Cats are very effective hunters. Just like any other animal, they need to be stimulated. And so they need to have enrichment activities. And so when they see something twitching, whether it's a grasshopper, a moth, a vole, or a bird, they will try to kill that. So I absolutely understand what Mara is telling me, but billion, again, billion with a B, it feels still way too hard to comprehend. Yeah, I definitely get that. For most of us, our only exposure to this is just to a tiny part of it. You know, maybe you have an outdoor cat that brings you back the occasional quote-unquote present. But otherwise, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. That's so interesting you bring that up because my partner, Ryan, his lovely family cat named Millie, I remember when Ryan and I started dating and he would go home to visit his family. You know, he'd be really excited. He's like, oh, I'm going to get home. I'm going to be able to like spend some time with Millie. It's really important to him. He is so into cats. And he's like, um, every morning that I've been home, Millie will just bring a dead bird to my door. And it's a present. It's because she's so excited to see me. And uh, seems a little problematic, buddy. Uh, (laughs) Ryan, if you're listening, still seems a little problematic. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And in fact, studies have found that cats only bring home maybe half of the kills they make. So we're just, we're not even seeing it all. We are not even seeing it all. Yeah. And multiply that by the number of cats that are out there. I We are truly seeing just the tip of the iceberg. It sounds like Millie is a pretty uh, skilled hunter if she's bringing home a bird every single day. The estimate that Mara and the team he worked with used was more conservative, closer to one bird every week or two. But even that really starts to add up. And that's the average. You know, if yours is a a particularly effective killer, it might be quite a few more than that. And as much as I may hate to admit it... Yeah, pigeon? Yeah? Yeah? My dear pigeon would be a particularly effective killer. What do you see? Oh, yeah, that robin up there. If I let her outside, she would likely have killed more than a hundred birds in the time I've had her. Yeah, you want to get that bird, huh? That was pigeon leaving her BTK killer note. Where she's like writing writing symbols and stuff, trying to let you know if she had the chance, that Robin is not coming home. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Pigeon's inside, so she's not having that chance. But, you know, that's not to mention Tom, Flipper, Rick, River, Raven, Donkey, Sculpin, Jane, Felix. I mean, off the top of my head, I can name at least like 26 outdoor cats within a quarter mile of my house. Which, that that could be, like, easily be a thousand birds each year from those cats alone. Wow. When you start to see these numbers add up, it, I mean, at least for me, it makes those billions of birds make a lot of sense. Absolutely. And over the years, more than 33 bird species have gone extinct, at least in part because of cats. Wow. It's a pretty large-scale issue that we're talking about here. It really does have just a much wider impact than, like, 
I really could have imagined before doing the research for this story. And I know that for a lot of pet parents, they they let their cats outside because they love them. That's what we're used to. It feels natural. And they want what's best for their cat. And they're trying as hard as they can to give them a good life. Nobody is letting their cats outside with the hope that they completely devastate their ecosystem, right? And just like my partner's family and with their cat, Millie, it's like sometimes you just don't know the large scale, all of all the little pieces that are in play when you make a decision that you think is, you know, reasonably an individual one. You don't think that your one cat is going to cause this mass destruction or you don't really consider that your cat is a part of this much larger ecological issue, right? Oh, definitely. It's also something where while being outside can be really enriching for a cat, it can also be really dangerous. Indoor cats live as much as twice as long as pet cats that get to roam unsupervised. Wait, wait, wait. That might be the single biggest piece of information to convert outdoor cat owners. Definitely. You know, the fact that you are elongating their life if you keep them inside. Yeah, and... You know, everyone, whether you are a cat or a bird person, everyone agrees on this. Between disease, getting in fights with other cats, coyotes, other predators, cars and traffic, there are just so many things that can either kill or decrease the lifespan of our pets. And not too long ago, this hit really close to home. I was on an evening walk with my girlfriend. We were going down the street that Jane lives on. She's the cute little orange tabby. (laughs) And we noticed a chalk drawing on the sidewalk. It was Jane's name written with a little heart drawn around it. And I felt really excited to see this until I saw a little memorial for her on the tree that was next to it. There were messages written by some of the neighbors about how sweet of a cat she was. Drawings from her family's kids saying how much they would miss her. From what I understand, Jane had been hit by a car. And, you know, it just, it didn't feel possible. You know, I had seen her earlier that week, and she was just a year old, maybe. Oh, poor little baby Jane. And I know that this is just a cat. Not even my cat. And I feel kind of silly saying this, but it was really devastating to lose her. I mean, it seems like Jane meant a lot to the whole community. Yeah, she was <laughs> she was such a friendly cat that just would go up and love on everybody. And it felt so special to have her outside and part of the neighborhood. But, you know, at the same time, as special as that was, I would rather that she be still with us, safe with with her family, you know? So, I mean, that kind of brings me to a question. I know that you've said it's it's kind of hard to definitively pick one side or the other, especially when you're thinking about the well-being of your cat. Did this shift your opinion kind of one side or the other definitively about indoor cats? Yeah, this was really what pushed me from feeling on the fence 
to feeling we should really keep our cats inside. Mm. It's still hard for me to think about Felix or Sculpin becoming indoor cats. I, I would be so sad if I don't get to see them anymore. Yeah. But I'm increasingly coming to feel it's what's best for them. As much as I love getting to see them, I just want to know that they'll be okay. Bringing our cats inside, there is an element of their life that is taken away from that. But it's entirely possible to give them back all of the kind of fun and joy and enrichment that comes from the outdoors. And after the break, we're going to talk to someone about how to best do that for an indoor cat. We're going to be talking to the man, the myth, the legend, Jackson Galaxy, the cat daddy. Oh boy, cannot wait. That's after this. When we're talking about this issue with cats, one of the things that's really hard and I think is one of the things people sympathize with the most is the fact that this is quite literally in the nature of cats. It is their instinct to be hunters. And so I'm really interested in a ways that we can mitigate that and at least make it a safer. Yeah, they do need that stimulation and that that kind of enrichment in their lives. And so to kind of find out what can you do for your indoor cat to let them live a rich and fulfilling life, I called up a real cat guru. My name is Jackson Galaxy. Folks call me the cat daddy. This is Jackson Galaxy. He is a cat behaviorist and the host of the hit Animal Planet TV show, My Cat from Hell. He is second only to Austin Powers in his unironic use of the word mojo. And he is constantly talking about the importance of encouraging the inner raw cat. I am genuinely a huge fan of his. And, and Jackson agrees that it is best to keep our cats inside, if only to have more years with them. Right. It's okay to be selfish. And at the same time, that does take away from their lives in a pretty significant way. They wake up every morning needing to go and kill something. That is intense framing there, <laughs> that they wake up every morning with bloodlust. Okay, great. When Pigeon jumps on my feet in the morning, I can tell that she's she's ready to kill. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it is something where bringing a cat indoors, if you don't do anything for your cat, it's not going to be hunky-dory. Like, it's not going to be a happy cat then. You need to do a lot of enrichment, as Jackson describes. And the biggest thing really is just giving them some time and attention. Number one is committing to a play regimen with them. Not just waving a wand around. It's about committing to the game. You're role-playing, you know? It's method acting. You are a mouse. You are a bird. Get into it, you know? <laughs> method acting. <laughs> really engaging what I call the raw cat. That cat who wakes up every morning, and if they don't get to hunt, catch, and kill, it does a number on their mojo. All right, Pigeon, let's work on your mojo. 15, 20 minutes a day of playing with your cat, and like, as he says, like really getting into it. <laughs> For one, it can be a really fun way to bond with your pet, but it also lets your cat be a cat. Chasing a feather wand, is still satisfying those same impulses as actually hunting a bird. This is a way to 
really solve that in a way that is good for everybody. Okay. So it seems like a part of this is just really embracing the fun of hanging out and bonding with your cat. I think folks tend to think of cats as more low-maintenance animals than, say, dogs, and cats are really independent and self-sufficient, and so maybe that's not something that everybody does. Yeah. But it seems like if we embrace that a little more, maybe pull out the laser pointer, point it at a wall for a bit, <laughs> do some do some cuddles, some tummy rubs, pop on the Aristocats. I mean, who <laughs> does not love a good Thomas O'Malley tune? Everybody wants to be a cat. Definitely. But, you know, people have to go to work or run some errands. You know, we can't always be there to play or give them a belly rub or play them some Thomas O'Malley. But your cat can do just fine, making sure that they have something to keep them entertained. And uh, Jackson's answer to that is environmental enrichment. We start with the concept of cat TV, make the windows a destination. Cat TV is Jackson's name for windows. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep, yeah, I get it. They're what your cat has to stare at for the day, and you can make them really engaging, make them accessible by putting a cat tree or a bookshelf that they can sit on by the window. You can even put bird feeders near the window. You're giving them that ability to sort of passively engage with their raw self. Some other things you can do in what Jackson refers to as catification of your home is that cats really love high places. Making sure that you're engaging the vertical space in the home gives them places to get up and and just be themselves. I've done this with my apartment, putting up a few shelves that uh, lead up to the tall bookcase in my living room. And Pigeon is constantly spending time napping up there. And... It's clear that, like, she really loves having that, especially when she maybe gets stressed out or wants to have some time alone. She can feel really safe and secure up there as though she were climbing a tree. Oh, I love the idea of Pigeon having a little safe place for when she's feeling stressed. I want one. Mark, can you build me a a person cat tower? I would like to retreat there as well. Oh, man. I I love that idea. (laughs) So bringing it back to my personal life, because that is what we are all here for, right? (laughs) When I talk to Ryan, the next time we inevitably get into our outdoor versus indoor cat conversation, how do I talk to him about this in a way that isn't polarizing, but also will really encourage him to think about all these issues we've talked about, you know, how do we talk to anybody who, you know, is thinking about how they might want to transition their cat from an outdoor cat to an indoor cat? I think the biggest thing is, you know, lead with that idea of this is safer for the cat. Mm. Like Jackson said, you know, it's okay to be selfish. It's okay to want more years with your little fluffy friend. Yeah. (laughs) You get more time with your cat. The environment wins. Mm. Now, That said, you know, for Millie, she's been an outdoor cat for many, many years. Long time. Long, 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 long time. Both Jackson and Peter Mara and pretty much everyone agrees that it can be really hard to to suddenly bring an outdoor cat inside. You know, cats, (laughs) cats notoriously hate change. So it's okay to not have it be flipping a switch. Mm. Maybe instead you let them out less in the spring when there are a lot of 
helpless chicks. Yeah, fledglings are friends, not food. <laughs> fledglings are friends, not food. Um, or maybe even you just have your next cat be an indoor cat. Mm. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. So that is great and everything. But I do want to say... I'm starting to see this phenomenon of folks on my Instagram feed taking their cats on walks using leashes like you would a dog. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, something you mentioned, you were like, oh, cats are not that amenable to, you know, (laughs) to change and to these new things. But I'm just saying the cats that I see look like they are having the time of their nine lives. (laughs) Absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about. And actually, this is something that is really big for Jackson as well, for people to be able to give their cats supervised outdoor time. The last big one is harness training your cat, taking them out for walks. Uh, It's not really walking at the time. They're just exploring. But that's great. And harness training is not as hard as folks think it is. I'll admit I was I was skeptical of that last part, uh, that it's not that hard. He, he did not sell that. Cats are pretty willful. Mm-hmm. They're pretty willful. They're pretty opinionated. And they have no problem letting you know when something is a no for them. So what, yeah, how, how does this even happen? Yeah, so I thought I need to put this to the test with Pigeon. And I asked him for advice on how to do that. The hardest part is getting them to be somewhat comfortable with this feeling of a vest around their entire body, that consistent pressure. Don't even attempt to take them outside until they can walk around the house as if they don't have anything on them. All right, Pidge, let's work on your vest. You know, the first time you do it, your cat might just stop walking. No, no, that's not the goal. Oh. They might flop over on their side. Oh no, okay, okay. Training's over. They try to back out of it constantly. Oh, okay, come back. <laughs> come, come back. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay, come here. To make this smoother, you can reward your cat with treats. Put it on, they take a few steps. Killer, wonderful. Treat, treat, treat. Take it off. And after some trial and a lot of error. Okay, you're walking around. Good. You're coming in for a treat. Oh, yeah. You're starting to warm up to this thing, huh? The next step is introducing a leash. Some more flops here, but soon she was wearing her walking jacket and leash, like a champ. There we go. And after you can walk them around the house with the leash and the harness, it's time to go outside. All right. She clearly loves it. She gets so excited to walk on like the grassy little hill in my backyard and just sniff all the flowers and just wander around. Yeah, you like to explore? You can just tell that she is like... Living her best life? Absolutely, living her best life. I love that. You have all this great love for all the outdoor cats that you kind of encounter in walks. And Pigeon can kind of enjoy that, too. Pigeon yeah. can, can be an outdoor cat within reason, <laughs> safely. And that, that really actually warms my heart. <laughs> it's, 
it's really special to give that to her while still knowing that, you know, she's safe. The birds I see in my backyard are safe. <laughs> and it, it feels like everybody wins. Harmony. That's what that sounds like. <laughs> we'll put we'll put like a little angel angel choir here. <laughs> Okay, I actually have to pull the choir. No, the angel choir is so nice. Come back. (laughs) (laughs) There's another big, really important part of this issue. All of the cats that are outside that don't have a food bowl and a little cat bed to come home to, there are those feral and stray cat colonies out there. and, And they actually make up the majority of those bird deaths. And there isn't, you know, this win-win, super positive solution. It's not as simple as, you know, we bring our cats inside, we give them a lot of love, play them some Thomas O'Malley, and uh, (laughs) everyone's happy. And this is where that debate can get kind of ugly. There's a lot to talk about, so next time we are going to dive deeper into the world of cats and birds. We're going to visit an island of feral cats, look into the different controversial solutions to this problem, and we're going to go on Portland's catio tour. Well, I did not go on the catio tour, and I am very sad about this because (laughs) that seems like a life goal right there. I, too, would like to go and hang out with the cats. You hear me? I'll I'll make sure you get an invite next time, I promise. Next time. (laughs) Mark, this has been truly enlightening, and I appreciate you being here today in front of the microphone. Thank you so much, Tanaja. This has been really great. Bring Birds Back is produced by Mark Bramhill and me, Tanaja Hamilton. Today's episode was edited by Ashley Ahern and Oluwakemi Aladesugi. Our content director is Allison Wilson. And our lead science advisor is Trina Bayard. Music is by Cosmo Sheldrake and Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Cynthia Chomos, Courtney Dolliver, and Rika Murphy. And of course, many thanks to our seasoned sponsor, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Check out all they have to offer, like Bird Academy online courses and the Merlin ID app at allaboutbirds.org and we want to hear from y'all in the bring birds back flock what do you do with your cat have you tried taking them out for a walk do you have a friend who has an indoor outdoor cat and you're not sure how to talk to them about it is that person you do you have an indoor outdoor cat and you're feeling conflicted about what to do next Record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us at bringbirdsback at birdnote.org. You might be featured on our next episode. Thanks for listening. See y'all next time.